0: Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us.
1: And that's why we're asking for your support.
0: If you like the show, please become an EPP, that's an extra podcast person, through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have... Access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well.
1: It's only five bucks a month for all these extras.
0: And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air.
1: Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please
0: and thank
2: you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: Today, most people who see apparitions claim to see the head and shoulders, but a listener describes her encounter with an apparition only visible from the waist down. I wonder where that one's trying to show off. (laughs) A grieving family has some inexplicable experiences with a funeral home, or in a funeral home with their deceased loved one. We all have questions about where we go after death, but one listener encountered a spirit that was downright frustrated with her final destination. Haunted hotels are common, but one floor of a Puerto Rican hotel as the staff avoiding their duties, and a woman tells her husband's encounter, or tells of her husband's encounter with a mysterious figure and the gifts he received from it. Interesting. Yes. Are, we, are we speaking of. And don't tell me. Of physical gifts, like jewelry and such, or abilities, like being able to throw fire at people?
1: You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs>
0: those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you once again. Hello. Hello. If you have a real ghost story, you can uh, call into us at 855-853-4802. Write into us on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And of course, uh, we uh, appreciate your support greatly. So if you like the show, share a link out there on Facebook, Twitter, let your friends know about us. Uh, your support is what keeps our show Alive. Should we go into uh, our first letter here today? I think so. From, uh, looks like Miss Susan uh, is writing in. Let's find a, a musical selection to set the mood. How do you like this? That works. That's just, it makes me... Uh, what was the phrase I was going to use that I heard on Harper's little frozen microphone today? It was like... this. Full of is- magic. Yes. Yes. How, do, how did that go? I don't know. It was something like... That performance was full of magic.
1: Something like that. (laughs) I'm going
0: to start using that on the show. Uh, Susan writes in, My true story happened in the fall of 2001 when I was living in a beautiful old Victorian home with my four-year-old daughter. This house is located on Church Street in Buckingham, Quebec, Canada, where it still stands to this day. One day I was alone in the house as my daughter was spending the day with her grandmother. Suddenly... I heard the distinct sound of the back door opening. Surprised and feeling a little irritated because the person didn't knock before entering the house, I shouted out, Just a minute, I'll be right there. I peeked into the kitchen from where I was standing in the washroom. What I saw next will forever remain etched in my memory. Standing at the back door, I saw a half-figure of a white man who was barefoot and wearing a red bathing suit. He was only visible from the waist down, and he was soaking wet. As he walked across the room, I could hear the sound of his wet feet squeaking on the kitchen floor and the sound of water dripping off him. Stunned, I started. uh, I stared slack jawed as my mind tried to grasp what I was actually seeing. He walked to the opposite end of the kitchen, stopped for a moment in front of my cupboards, and then he turned to face me. I could see the bottom half of him, clearly. But I could also see the cupboards through him. Shocked and rooted to the spot, I said out loud, Oh my God, you're a ghost. He turned away from me and continued to walk down the hallway that led to my living room. Squeak, squeak, squeak. I just stood there in disbelief and watched him walk about halfway down the corridor before he disappeared into thin air without leaving a trace. Or did he? completely freaked out. I ran through every room in the house looking for the half figure I had just seen, but he was nowhere to be found. Questioning my own sanity at this point, I searched for water on my kitchen floor. Surely it must be wet before I checked the lock on the back door. The kitchen floor was bone dry and the door was securely locked with a deadbolt. Needless to say, I packed up all our worldly belongings and moved on to the house a few days later. It would be interesting to see if the current tenants have experienced anything paranormal in the beautiful old Victorian home. Thanks for reading my story.
1: If you had to see only half a ghost, do you want the top or the bottom half? I think I'd go for the top. Yeah. A little
0: more identifiable.
1: I think it's a little less scary, though, if it's the bottom half.
0: Yeah, Um, a little more bizarre, certainly.
1: And I'm not saying her experience wasn't scary. I just think it's... From a listening standpoint, it sounds funnier that it's the bottom half.
0: I've never heard of such a thing like that before, and Thank that's rare on this show.
1: <laughs> Thank goodness he had a swimsuit on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, did she say that there was a swimming pool or anything on the property? Or
1: no, she didn't allude to that or one nearby.
0: It's like I wonder if there's like a drowning. I mean, obviously the simple explanation would be drowning death, ghost. You know. But I mean I wonder if there was something of that nature. I mean, it's bizarre that he's wearing a swimming suit walking through the house, soaking wet, and only the bottom half of him is.
1: Is the other half haunting somewhere else?
0: Yeah, I mean, was he cut in half in the swimming pool? Is it like that horrible thing on uh, ghost ship where the uh, the wire cuts everyone in half?
1: I don't know. makes you wonder.
0: That's interesting. Thanks for writing in and sharing that story. If you want more ghost stories, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get the bonus episode sent to you every single week. You get access to our complete archive of past EPP episodes and video. Five bucks a month is all it is. It goes to support the show. And uh, now when you're an EPP, uh, you're up to this coming week will be 16 total episode links. You get right there. 16 full hour episodes. So if you 're if you 're out of stories and you need uh, you need some more uh, real ghost stories and these are really good ghost stories in the EPP episodes uh please do sign up you 'll not regret it. Nina writes in hi guys i've been listening to your podcast for about a month now, and i 'd like to say how thankful I am that I found your show. It may sound crazy, but hearing your banter and comments make me feel relaxed and calm. You save me from sadness and loneliness. My stories are not really scary. I'd categorize them instead as alarming. <laughs> what? What's the difference between scary and alarming?
1: Well, alarming's just kind of like, um, you know, you're not... I don't know. It's a hard.
0: <laughs> I, I was, guess we'll listen and mm-hmm. I guess make that distinction. Maybe it'll make more sense after the story, but to me, the two kind of go hand in hand almost. <laughs> I
1: really thought I had a distinction, but I don't know.
0: I guess scared would be fear of the unknown, alarming maybe awareness of something and disturbed by it. Is I, that. Yeah. I get, you know, one's a little bit more present than the other. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's listen to the story. It says, I'm not really sensitive to the paranormal, but I do get my share of what was that moment. My father died back when I was in college. Uh, We had his casket in a funeral home and we stayed there with him for about a week, I believe. I'm not sure if uh, Westerners do that, where the family would be in the funeral home with their dead loved one, and that's where they will receive condolences. she, like, literally mean they slept at the funeral home?
1: They camped out at the funeral home.
0: I don't think Westerners do that.
1: Not that I'm aware of, but it makes you wonder if that's not where the term funeral home came from.
0: Interesting. I don't... At least I believe people don't sleep. I, I've never seen that done with any of my family members. But it
1: might have been a practice in the older times. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, we have heard some stories of folks where they have, in other countries, where they still do the funerals at home in mm-hmm. the living room,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, and where the family sleeps around the casket. So I suppose it's kind of the same sort of thing, except one's actually being done at a home. One's being done at the funeral home. Right. So I guess it's probably a variation on that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. says the family would make uh, makeshift beds out of church benches. Uncomfortable, but it's not a practice uh, to, to bring those uh, uh, foldable beds in. One night, I and my family chose the benches close to the casket as our beds for the night. No one slept using the benches at the back of the funeral home. We were all laying down quietly when suddenly we heard a loud bang at the back of the funeral home. We looked, and one of the benches was out of alignment. These benches were long and heavy. If someone had come in, we wouldn't have heard it because the doors were creaky and needed a bit of force to open. kind of freaked us out, so we loudly called out to my dad and told him that we're all here so he could knock it off with the scary tactics. The night before we would cremate him, I and two of my friends were outside the funeral home and spent the whole night just chatting. The home was placed beside a church, so there's a, there's the usual statue of Christ and Mother Mary. We sat about a couple of feet away from Mother Mar- the Mother Mary statue. Out of the corner of my eye, a small bright light quickly passed by the statue and made a sharp turn going back to the statue. When it registered to me is what happened. I asked my friends, did you see that? To which they said, yes, what did you see? I said I saw a small ball of light, but what they saw was a man going in the same direction that I said. I'm glad that I don't see full apparitions or hear disembodied voices as uh, most, uh, that might be my, and that my worst enemy is my imagination. Okay, I got it right. Did you make it through that? I made it through that. I thought they were going another way with it, so I was thinking to say something else, but my mind was not working with my eyes. Okay. It was a ghostly experience. Okay. Magical. I am amazed that I'm listening to scary stories without losing sleep and having disturbing dreams, but I have respect for the things we don't understand but believe in. I go. When my finances are okay, I'll register to be an EPP. Thanks. Nina.
1: You know, I I think I would be a little afraid to sleep in the funeral home, even with my loved one there, just because I would think there'd be a lot of experiences like that.
0: Certainly, it's a place with a lot of emotional energy from the living. Yes. Because it's such a, a trying time. So I would think that funeral homes, I don't know that it would be packed with, you know, malevolent ghosts.
1: Look at you using your big
0: words. I know. It's a magical word. Um, or, or conscious ghosts, I think, maybe, is kind of more what I'm getting at. Okay. I, I, I could see funeral homes being more of a place of uh, like residual hauntings. And maybe even residual things of the living. You know, we've heard that before where people say that they've seen their mom walk down the hall. Mm-hmm. Or something, and their mom's alive. Their mom's like in the bedroom or something, um,
1: or the scream. Yeah, or they hear or they
0: or they hear their voice called or some or their name called uh, from a living person's voice, but the person never actually called it. Um, just with someone going through like the process of grieving and all that energy that's being dispelled right there of those people's energy being reseen and replayed who are still alive, mm-hmm. just because of how emotional that could be. Um, or all that energy that's that's expelled right there in that one place could just be a feeding ground for other things to go into. And, hey, look, this is a great way to make ourselves known or feed off of something. Sure. Oh, just a thought. Yeah. So, Ryan writes in, I uh, only have one very short story that I could share with you, but uh, it was one hell of an experience. I'm from the UK, and this story happened in Lutontown, Ah, I said it without even looking at the Annunciation Guide here.
1: Good. If I said
0: it correctly. A long time ago, when I was around 19 years old, I'm now 25, uh, I had just left the University of Bedfordshire and was heading back to my house. I lived in a place called Hightown, ...and had to walk through a cemetery to get home. This happened during the day, and it wasn't the only... uh, ...I wasn't the only one taking this route. So I wasn't scared or nervous about walking through the cemetery. Until this happened. I walked past a grave, and there was graffiti and broken glass all over it. Now, although it's disrespectful, Luton isn't the nicest place. So it's... um, ...the kind of behavior didn't come as a shock... Being the nosy person that I am, I leant down to read the graffiti. It was all negative. I couldn't really make out some of the writing apart from one part that said, Evil bitch. I stood up to walk away and saw a lady standing beside a tree about 100 yards in front of me. She was staring at me and I was startled. I put my head down and started walking up the path. And I heard her say, I don't know where the fuck I am, but... This sure isn't heaven. And she let out a slight weep. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put it down uh, to being a paranormal experience if it wasn't for the fact that it sounded like she was saying it directly into my ear and she was 100 yards away. When I turned around to see if there was anyone else who could have said that, I realized that the whole cemetery was empty and the lady was gone.
1: That would be frustrating. If you had your whole life planned that you were going to end up in one particular place and and then you 're stuck in the cemetery, and like, people are desecrating your tombstone like,
0: oh shit really i 've been going to church every single week, and I did all these things, and i 'm stuck in this cemetery, yeah, yeah, that would be a little bit depressing, I think so. I wonder if there's you know if there's a stage that you have to go through. Uh, you know, and this is if you're subscribing to believing in heaven or hell um, or like the final destination that's outside of this world. If and there's relations where there's like there's purgatory. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the middle ground. But is purgatory really just earth? Is it just like kind of the you get to haunt people states and then you got to find the light or someone needs to step in and show you the light like Sylvia Brown at a Toys R Us?
1: Maybe. You
0: know, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's an, an interesting interesting concept there. Uh, The phone number is 855-853-4802 to call into our show here at Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story with us. You can call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let's go to a call. Hi.
2: Hey guys, my name is Logan. I'm a first-time caller and I only recently came across your shows, but you sound just like the kind of people I'd like to share an experience with that completely blew my mind. And I guess it kind of changed my entire outlook on our world and what's in it. Uh, This story takes place in the northern panhandle of West Virginia in the July of 2005. Uh, My cousin, his girlfriend, and another friend of ours decided to go camping uh, together on my uncle's property before we all got split up due to me going to college and getting jobs, things like that. Uh, my uncle owns a house that sits atop a large hill, um, it's not really big enough to be called a mountain, you know, but it is a pretty large and steep hill. Uh, he owned the whole hill, and around the base of this hill, there's a large creek that swings out, and it's called King's Bend. It forms a big bend in the creek there. Uh, in the immediate area around this creek, there are two train tunnels, uh, one that runs under the hill that my uncle's house actually sits on, and the other runs through just another uh, nearby hill. There's an access road that will take you down uh, into the valley near the creek, uh, which is maintained by the railroad company because there's a train trestle um, that takes the train track across the creek. Uh, so we got our gear, our tents, our fishing poles. Uh, we had a spotlight. And we all got onto one four-wheeler, our ATV, and we headed down this road into the valley to camp that night. Uh, It was still daylight as we were heading down, uh, even though it was getting kind of late. The sun was on its way down, uh, but we arrived there in the day, and there was an already cleared spot, you know, probably 200 yards from the train tunnels and probably, I don't know, 15 yards from the the water there. Um, So we set up camp as the sun set, and by the time it was completely night, uh, we had a fire going. Our tents were set up, uh, and my cousin and I decided we were going to take that spotlight over to the water. And we were going to try to spotlight some fish just, you know, to kill time and have fun. Uh, So we sat by the bank and we would turn this spotlight on and, you know, we'd see fish and they'd get scared by the light and they'd stir up and we'd turn it off and we'd let them settle down. Uh, We did this probably for three or four minutes uh, when we both began to notice that every time we would turn the spotlight off, not the first few times, but after, you know, a few times of doing this. When we would turn the spotlight off, you would hear very distinctly just a whoosh, whoosh coming from up the creek from us. So we'd turn the light back on and we'd shine any you of know, those spotlights, so or it could illuminate, you know, brightly illuminate something a 100 yards away, so we'd see anything that was near us. Uh, we'd turn the light on and you'd look down the creek and there'd be nothing there. Uh, but you would notice ripples in the water, two distinct sets, you know, two on the left and two on the right, just like somebody wading through the water at about knee height. Um, so we got kind of freaked out by this and we were trying to rationalize to each other, you know, maybe it's a fish, maybe it's a beaver, you know, even though we didn't see any beaver or anything down there. But, you know, in hindsight, it definitely sounded like somebody was wading through the water, but there was nobody there. So we just get freaked out, of course, and we decide we're going to head back to the campfire, get and get back in the light, you know, and kind of gather our courage. And we agreed that we weren't going to tell anybody, you know, either of the other two because we didn't want to freak them out. I guess we thought we needed somebody there with a level head. So we get back to the fire and sit down. And I know I can't speak for my cousin, but I know my thoughts were still well on the water that you could still hear whooshing in the background. At, and it's headed our way. Um, and this was greatly alarming to me, but, I, again, I tried to keep it secret. Uh, the other two heard the noises as well without us saying anything, and, you know, they just kind of made passive comments about it, like, all oh, the fish are sure stirred up or something like that. So we sit there for a few more minutes. Um, everybody's kind of got the feeling that something isn't right, but we're still trying to have a good time because nobody wants to wimp out. Um, when we all began to hear distinct male voices echoing off the hillside that was there's like a rock wall kind of not far away from our campsite and the voices were echoing off this at first you know we weren't freaking out because in our state a lot of people hunt at night for raccoon etc although when you do this sort of thing normally you have a dog with you and we all commented and noted that we did not hear any dogs uh, at all during the night so we kind of figured out that this wasn't you know hunters uh the voices continued to talk uh for a minute or two it was indistinct at first but after that first minute or so it got a little louder and you could start to make out what they were saying And we've all gone back through this compared notes about what we all thought we heard. And the few sentences that we can all definitely agree on were things like, what are they doing here? Uh, They don't need to be here, you know, stuff like that. Or why are they here? It never sounded angry or outright hostile, but you could tell from the inflection in the voice that they thought we were somewhere we shouldn't be. And another thing that we noticed that the sloshing in the creek had ceased. And it ceased right as it came to our bank, like our side of the creek. So we were all highly alarmed. And right as we commented on this, now I'll say before I tell you this, that this was the only thing that happened that I don't directly contribute to anything paranormal. Uh, It could definitely have been an animal. could have been something, although I don't know why it decided to do it at that exact time. But right as we noticed that the sloshing had stopped and it stopped on our side of the creek, something runs through the tall grass that was on the outline like uh, on the outside ring of our campsite, and it just kind of, just real quick, back through the through the tall grass, just you know, back there. Uh, it freaked us out, regardless. But we even said at the time, you know, next to an animal, you know, but we all weren't sure. Given the context of what was happening, it very well could have been something creepy. Uh, But we were all freaked out at this point, and this had all just come out of nowhere within 10 to 15 minutes from the time we started hearing the whooshes in the water. So it's time to go. Uh, I stand up to go to start up the ATV, uh, but as I get up from my seat, I'm looking over my shoulder where I just heard the thing running through the grass, and I'm looking over in that area, and we're shining the spotlight. But I'm actually like kind of moving towards the ATV, which is in the opposite direction. It's out just at the edge of our firelight. Um, As I turned my head to look at the ATV, uh, what I saw just literally stopped me dead in my track, Uh, leaning up against the handlebar of our ATV, and when I say leaning, I mean it was resting on one hand uh, on our handlebars, which I've never read and encountered anything or propped up against anything like this. Uh, It was a full figure completely black and when I say black I mean it was darker than the pitch black night behind it it stood out against pitch blackness I mean these are woods we were in, in a valley in between two hills in West Virginia there was no artificial light anywhere uh, there wasn't really a moon out it was dark uh, and this thing was darker than it Um I got a good look at it. I I felt like I was rooted to the ground. uh, Just wave and wave of fear, wave of revulsion, uh, sickness. I felt like I was going to puke. It ended, it didn't have feet. It just kind of ended at the ankles, just above the ankles. And where it ended, it looked wavy. And the way I describe that is it's like heat waves that you you would see coming off the top of a fire. Uh, You could see through him. He was slightly transparent, uh, but... It was kind of warped, like you're looking through a bottle of water. Uh, I didn't notice any eyes, uh, but you could see that it was wearing a hat. Uh, definitely you could see like a Stetson. Uh, I don't know uh, the difference between a fedora or Stetson, but I know it was a hat of that, you know, style. Um, as I guess it noticed me standing there staring at it with my mouth agape, uh, it sort of straightened up and took its hand off of the ATV and just kind of hung there for a moment. Uh, with you know, it had gotten slightly taller, and I'm six foot six myself, and I felt that this thing dwarfed me. So it must have been like seven foot, but maybe it was just floating out of Uh It just hung there for a moment as I'm staring at it, and it was. I felt like you know it was looking right back at me. Uh, and about this time, the other three catch up to me, and they all see exactly what I'm seeing. Uh, the girl lets out a scream that's so loud. I mean, it echoed off the hillside. It was so loud that our uncle, who was clear up at the top of the hill, heard it. Uh, armed himself and was actually on his way down to check on us as we were leaving. Uh, When she screamed, I guess it like broke the spell apparently and this thing just kind of flashed with outlines of itself. It was moving so fast and if you've ever seen the flash and how he just kind of bolted and left a blur or an outline of himself behind and that's what it looked like. This thing moved so quickly and it headed back in the general direction of those train tunnels. Well, we all run over to the four-wheeler, and as we try to start it, if you've ever tried to start a car that has a low battery, you left your headlights on or something, you'll know that it's very sluggish and it fights to turn over, and that's exactly what this thing did. And that was weird because it was working 100% as we brought it down here. So the battery had been drained slightly out of our ATV. But we were able to get it started, and we hauled out of there, of course, and we actually met his uncle on the way out. Um, that was the end of that actual experience.
1: And I guess the call got cut off there. Yeah. Do you think the shadow person can drain things?
0: I think anything that's paranormal that's manifesting itself will drain things. Uh-huh. I don't think it's like a matter of can. I think it it just does. It does. I don't think it like it has an option. I think it's because I think whatever it's doing, it's summoning so much energy and it not like trying to, which is it has to 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 be visible. Okay. Um. I don't think it's like I'm going to go suck the batteries out of this. I just think it naturally happens. You know, it's like. It's like static electricity, if you will. We can't control when I'm going to shock you if I touch you. It just happens. Okay. I think it just happens with, with things like that. Um, but uh, it, at first, I was thinking almost kind of like mountain people. Oh. Like we were talking about the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, where we were talking about that, that Appalachia story. Um, but then... Uh, It it obviously went much more paranormal than that with the way the entities were and the darkness of them. That wasn't a human being.
1: No. No. And, you know, we hear a lot about the shadow people wearing hats, but it almost seems like they kind of have like this this attitude, you know, like how he's kind of propped up on the ATV. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're kind of like, check this shit out. (laughs) The ghosts? Yeah.
0: Yeah. They were show off ghosts. Well, Wearing hats.
1: We've had several stories yeah. where they're kind of like that. They kind of have this, what do you think of this?
0: Is a Stetson hat, because he said he didn't know the difference, and I honestly don't either, um, is that a Stetson is more of like a cowboy type hat, right?
1: Yeah, Stetson's a brand. They make a lot of different um, cowboy-ish styles. Some of them aren't as big-brimmed as yeah. like a traditional cowboy hat, like...
0: Um, is in like a George Strait hat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's hard to describe the, the ones that don't have as wide of a cowboy hat brim, but... And then you know what a fedora is. Yeah, I have a
0: fedora. Yes, you do. I enjoy my fedora.
1: <laughs> yeah, Although I do. look a
0: little silly in it, but I enjoy <laughs> my fedora. <laughs> it was given to me by Elvis's tailor. Actually, I bought it from Elvis's tailor, who huh? I think is dead. I've told you that story before, haven't I? Yeah. I got it in Memphis... Okay. Um, at, uh, what's the name of the hotel with the ducks?
1: I have no idea.
0: Is it the Peabody? I think it might be. the I, If I'm wrong, somebody will film me on this. It's um, it's a hotel downtown, and they have ducks that, that they have a parade for every twice a day. The ducks come down the elevator. The doors open. The girls would love this. The doors open. <laughs> the ducks have a red carpet that they walk in, and then they go into the fountain, and they swim around the fountain. Okay. And then the parade at the end, they, the ducks—they're all trained. Uh-huh. Then the, this music plays and lights are going off. Everybody gathers around and takes pictures of the ducks. And then the ducks jump out of the fountain, go back to the elevator, and go back up to their house, which is at the roof of the building.
1: They would love that.
0: It's neat. But going back to the hat, uh, the uh, there was a uh, a tailor that worked in this at the hotel and all different you know clothing and such. And the guy was Elvis's personal tailor. Okay. When, when I bought the hat from him, the guy was in his 90s. Um, and uh, I was just looking around the hotel. At, I was there for St. Jude uh, for a benefit thing. And um, the I was just looking around at stuff and I was looking at hats. And then this older gentleman comes over to me and helps me pick out a hat. I've never, I don't know how to pick out a hat because sure. I don't wear hats. And he's like, well, let's measure this. And he helped me pick it out. And then I bought it. It's really just a nice, old, grandfatherly guy. And then the friend who was with me, uh, he's like, do you know who just help you, helped you out there? And this guy, I guess, rarely works at the store anymore. He doesn't... He owns it, but he's rarely there. Okay. Um, Like, well, that, that older gentleman just helped me. And then he points at the picture on the wall. And it's the picture of the guy uh-huh. with Elvis. And then, like, a little plaque below that says you know, who he is and what he did. And he was Elvis's tailor. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. So that's why the hat's kind of special to me. Cause it's kind of a, you know, it's not just like, Oh, I bought it at target. Sure. <laughs> Something, you know, it's just a really kind of a neat backstory. Who helped me pick this hat out. Just, this his place in history uh-huh. and the fashion that Elvis represented, you know, for a whole generation. I got the guy help me by a hat.
1: So it's quite possible he was responsible for the jumpsuits.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, it's
1: it's just neat. That is neat.
0: (laughs) I mean, it was almost one of those stories where, uh, you know, you expect the end of the story to be like, you look at the picture of the old man and then you look and it's like, Oh, and he died five years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was going (laughs) to say
0: no, but he was still alive. I believe he has passed away now. I could be wrong. Last time I was there, uh, I asked about him like, Oh, he doesn't come into the store anymore. Oh. Um, but this was like eight years ago or so. Mm. Okay. But it was neat. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh let's do another uh, letter here. Uh, Adlin writes in. Hi, Tony. My name's Adlin R- uh, Rivera, and I uh, have a most unusual story to tell you. Back in 2006, I was working the graveyard shift at the Caribbee uh, Hilton Hotel in San Rio. I was working for a company subcontracted by the hotel for maintenance of the public areas. As it was, I was in charge of uh, cleaning the second floor of the hotel where... Uh, the small ballrooms, business center and conference rooms were located. Let me tell you a little about uh, the layout of the floor. On one side of the floor were the small ballrooms and the business center and the other side was the conference room area. Uh, to get to the conference room, uh, the conference room area, they had to cross a bridge made out of stainless steel and thick glass. And uh, on both ends of the bridge there were these thick glass double doors with stainless steel fixtures if you were standing on the bridge And staring downward, you could see the lobby of the hotel with the front desk, the restaurant, and the bar areas just below you. Also, you could see both ends of the floor clearly, since the doors are made out of clear glass. My story begins as I was cleaning the conference room area. Before that particular night, I always felt an ominous presence in one of the conference rooms. This conference room was located at the end of the hallway that branched out of the main one. The lights at the end of the hallway were always dimmer than the rest of the lights on. Either that hallway or the ones on the main hallway. And at times, they would flicker, giving the entrance to this particular room a creepy feeling. I'd go clean that conference room only when it was completely necessary, as on inspection day. Or if someone was with me, which wasn't always the case. I don't know what uh,
2: what
0: was in it or about that room that made my skin go up and goosebumps every time I went near it. But that is what it did. That particular night, the feeling was much stronger. I felt that if I went in there, I wouldn't be able to come out in one piece. Never mind that it was inspection day. I followed my instincts to go into that conference room after all. I went from the conference room's area toward the bridge doors, cleaned them, opened them, and started polishing the stainless steel and cleaning the glass, working my way towards the business center. When I was about to stretch my hand to open the doors on the other end of the bridge, one of the doors made a huge booming sound. I can only describe the sound as if someone had kicked it real hard or someone came running really fast at it and I didn't see the door and crashed into it. Let me tell you something. I'm not someone that jumps and screams when they get startled. On the contrary, I freeze up and can't utter a sound, not even a squeak. Well, when I heard the sound, that's what happened. I froze up. After a couple of seconds, I raised up my head to see what had happened. I could see that one of the doors was still vibrating from whatever had struck it, but there wasn't anyone around but me. Even the people who were on the floor below apparently heard the noise too, since they were standing at where I stood. I stared at the door until it stopped vibrating and cautiously opened the door. Still a little bit nervous and unsure of what had happened, I took a deep breath and continued to clean the business center. When I was finished with the business center, I went on to clean the public restrooms. This was my routine every night, cleaning the conference room area, the bridge, the business center, and the restrooms before my break time. Then, after break, it was on to clean the small ballrooms. As I said before, that day was inspection day, so I had to make a thorough cleaning of the restrooms. For that occasion, I brought in my CD player to entertain myself while I was cleaning. I went into the men's restroom, got my cleaning supplies out of my cart, pushed the play button on the CD player, turned up the volume to the max, and put my headphones around my neck so if someone came into the restroom I could hear them. So there I was, cleaning the toilets, polishing the uh, cubicle doors, singing and dancing, and had practically forgotten what had happened before when I started to hear heavy boots walking inside the room. I turned down the volume and called out to whoever it was that was inside the room that I was there cleaning the restroom and that he wasn't supposed to be there. Then the walking noise stopped. No one answered me back. I came out of the stall that I was in but there was no one there. At the time I really thought nothing of it since I figured the person realized that someone was in the cleaning in their cleaning and had just left. I finished with the stalls and went on to clean the urinals. And this is when things got really spooky and terrifying for me. As I said, by that time I was cleaning the urinals that I had turned back up the volume on my player and was singing and moving to the beat of the music when the heavy walking boot noise started again. Again, I froze up. After a couple of seconds, I turned around, but there was no one there. I was all alone in that restroom. I got so nervous that I started singing real loud to drown out the noise that I was hearing, but this thing would not be denied Instead of walking, it started stomping around me. The heavy boot noise got louder, and I could feel the vibrations of the boots when they hit the floor all around me. I could only I could only do one more thing to stop hearing the- those boots and. That was putting on those headphones as loud as they were on my ears, but this thing wanted to be acknowledged. My CD player started to skip from song to song. As you know, if a CD is scratched it will normally do this, but this was a new CD and my player had an anti-skip feature, besides having a lock button to lock the keys of the player so they wouldn't be pressed accidentally. Besides, this wasn't a regular skipping. The CD would skip to the next song. Stayed on that song a few seconds, and then skip on to the next song and do the same. It was like when you have a CD and you're searching for a particular song, so you listen to the beginning of each song until you find the one that you want to listen to. That's what it was doing. The first time it did this, I thought it was just a glitch. The second time it did it, I got afraid and pushed the lock button on my player, but it did it again. Skip forward a few seconds of music, skip forward to the next song, and do the same. Okay. I was uh, past being afraid now. I was getting angry, so I yelled, That's it! Stop it! Go away! Throwing my CD player on my cart and breathing heavily with the sensation that my heart was about to come out of my mouth. I felt all the hairs in my body rising up as I felt the whisper of my breath on my ear, and I heard the spirit saying, That's our song! in a very masculine voice. I went running out of the restroom and stood on the main hallway, shaking and feeling like I was going to have a heart attack. I heard the restroom door open up behind me, and guess what? I froze up again. I think I must be half-deer, because I freeze up like a deer caught up in the glare of a car's headlights. I felt cold finger fingers running across my neck, and from the corner of my right eye I saw this white, gauzy shape coming from behind me and disappearing to my right. Before it completely dissolved into thin air, I heard it say, Remember me? I was really about to collapse when one of my friends who had just crossed the bridge and was coming from the business center to tell me it was almost time for our break saw me and rushed to me. He asked me what was wrong since he saw that I was pale and shaking. I told him everything that had happened to me up to that moment. The feeling I got on the conference room area what had happened to the bridge, and finally what happened to me in the restroom. When I finished, he stared at me and just said, Oh my God, so that's what I saw. I asked him what he meant, and he told me that our supervisor had sent him up to wash the carpets to the conference room area, that while he was cleaning the rugs on the main hallway from the corner of his eye, he kept seeing the shadowy shape peeking out from the last uh, conference room. The same conference room that I always felt uneasy about. That's when he came looking for me. As he was walking through the business center, he saw me coming out, and then he saw the door open behind me and a dark cloud standing behind me until it disappeared into thin air. We went to our break room and told everybody who wanted to hear what had happened to me and my friend. And boy, did it open a can of worms. Others started to relay experiences that had happened to them at various places in the hotel while they were working. But the ones that captured my attentions were the ones about the second floor of the hotel. Apparently the lady that worked on the second floor before me left the job one night in hysterics because she claimed that she had seen a man in a green tracksuit running towards her while she was cleaning the glass bridge. The man ran through the doors without opening them and kept on running towards the conference room area, also running through those doors without opening them and disappearing towards the middle of the main conference room area's hallway. Another story was relayed to us by someone who still worked with the company. He told us that one night our supervisor sent him up with a ladder to the second floor to dust and clean the uh, niches on the top of the entrances to the conference rooms. While he was cleaning one of them, He felt that someone or something pushed the ladder from under him while he was on it. If he hadn't grabbed the light fixture attached to the wall of uh, the niche, he would have fallen and hurt himself badly. When I asked which conference room he was uh, cleaning, he said it was the last conference room of the hallway that branched out off the main hallway. After that, I lasted only three weeks more working at that hotel and never looked back. I had experiences with ghosts since I was a little girl... ...but none of them had ever scared the living daylights out of me... ...as this one did. One of them had even talked to me... ...but at the time I thought I was... uh, ...it was a living human... uh, ...being not a deceased one... ...since he looked as many... ...or any living human being does... ...solid and none of them... ...had ever touched me. I don't know if the ghost meant... ...or what the ghost meant... ...when he said, that's our song... Or when he said, remember me. Because at that time, I was completely single. I have never been married, and I didn't even have a boyfriend. Not even a deceased one. I wish I could remember what song the CD player kept stopping at, but really, I was too scared to notice. And even if I had noticed, it's been a long time since those events occurred, but I sure haven't forgotten them. Or him.
1: Well, I know. He was a creeper ghost. He,
0: he just was,
1: wanted uh, to be a boyfriend.
0: That sounds logical.
1: <laughs> no, that sounds horrible.
0: Yeah, uh, I can't imagine going through that. That would be, that would be very, very creepy. It'd be. It, I would love to know because I, the, my next question was going to be, well, what song was it that was being played? You know, uh, I'd love to know, you know, what that was. It was Lady Gaga or something, or what was the. <laughs> What was the musical selection Yeah, that, uh, that the ghost or whatever was something, was it older music that you were listening to or, you know, just to have a bit of a reference point to, sure. to guess what it, what it may actually be. If you have a real ghost story you want to share with us, call it in, 855-853-4802. And if you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it may be. Press subscribe, and uh, you won't miss any episodes of our show. No more having to search us out for uh, ghost stories. There they are, coming right direct to you. So uh, do that. It helps us grow the show uh, as well. Lucinda writes in, my husband was born in 1937 in Hopewell, Virginia. He was an only child for many years and had an imaginary playmate, which he had until he was eight years old. His parents always humored him uh, when he uh, told them about this playmate. and So when he told the following story, they just thought it was imaginary also. When he told me the story 50 years later, it was still clear in his mind as if it had happened the day before. He was sitting outside on the porch steps during the day, He looked up, and an older man was standing in front of him. At eye level, the man was about three to four foot tall. He described him as having on Bavarian pants with traditional suspenders. The pant uh, pant legs reached his knees with long uh, knee-high socks and odd shoes. He wore a soft red hat. The man said hello, and my husband had a polite conversation with the man. The stranger commented upon how polite my husband was and offered him a sweet candy. My husband had never seen candy like this, but he ate it and it was very sweet. The man then gave him a wooden toy. He described the toy to me and it sounded like a whirly majig, which is an animated toy with moving parts such as arms that move in the wind like a pinwheel. These are mountain toys made in Appalachia. The toy had two heads, heads—one on one end, a cat and a bird. The man also offered a small musical instrument to him, but my husband could not recall what it looked like. After a while, the man had to leave, and my husband asked him if he would return to Hopewell. The man replied that he had a long way to go, but he might return one day. My husband told the man that he would love to see him again. The man replied that he would see... Years later, my husband could not find the toy. And he asked his parents where his wooden toy was. His parents replied, he never had such a toy. My husband recalls playing with it for many years. When he told me the story, he honestly thought it was an ordinary man wearing a Bavarian outfit. He never thought about the man being on eye level with him, which would make the man a very, very short man. I told him I thought he had an encounter with a little person, a leprechaun. As there are plentiful stories of little men in upstate New York, many uh, with tragic results, I thought he was lucky that this encounter was so pleasant. In fact, considering the conversation he had and the natural, friendly way they talked, I could understand why this leprechaun was such a nice fellow and did not harm the boy. The man never returned, or Jim was too old to believe in such things as leprechauns and could not see him. Either way, I believe it was a true story and experience by a small boy without the prejudices that come with older age.
1: I think, I don't know about Leprechaun, but maybe it was something paranormal, especially since the toy that he claimed he played with for so long is, uh, you know, I guess imaginary for lack of a better term, too, since the parents said he never had one. Yeah. And he can't find it.
0: That's interesting where, I mean, you're playing with a toy that doesn't really exist, but you think it exists or Mm -hmm. that's with no notion of this being paranormal in any way shape or form you know i i don't know a whole lot about the upstate new york legends of leprechauns or things of that nature i mean i know it's a regional type thing in that area um but i could see that you know not necessarily that they're leprechauns you know per se like you know lucky charms but um you know, essentially people describing what they think are leprechauns maybe being something more, and maybe not in this case, but uh, something of a dark entity uh-huh. of some sort, especially if things are ending in tragedy Yeah. with these. Um, but then once in a while, I guess you get the Lucky Charms one.
1: He just brings toys and candy.
0: Exactly. <laughs> did, he, did he run away? You'll never get me frosted Lucky Charms. Did you ever eat Lucky Charms? No. I never was a lucky guy. I think I like had it once or twice at a friend's house and was like, yeah. I never liked marshmallows in cereal. No, it wasn't my thing. And, I, and other kids were like, oh, marshmallows are the best. I'm like, yeah. I enjoyed this uh, kind of like. I like Kix. I like more bland cereals, believe it or not. <laughs> and I like really flavorful foods. But like Kix was good. I liked uh, cinnamon toast crunch. It was my favorite.
1: I like that one too. I think
0: to this day that's still one of my favorite. Frosted Flakes for a little while. Trix was okay but not all the time. Okay. You don't want to talk about cereal for the next 10 minutes?
1: No, I'm good. It's
0: great. We talked about it the night too. It's a great time. (laughs) 855-853-4802. Sarah Bell writes in. Hi, I just found your podcast and have been listening to it all day at work. I love it so much. I thought I'd share one of my many experiences with you. Any feedback on this would be great if, uh, and I hope it uh, makes it to the air for most of my life. We lived in a farmhouse, uh, In an old farmhouse that the town was basically built around. Most of my experiences come from that house, and hopefully, I'll be able to share those stories with you sometime. This story, which also happens to be the most recent, took place in my old apartment a little over a year ago. My friend Amber and I had gone out the night before, so she also crashed at my place that night. Now, we are best friends, almost inseparable. We tell each other just about everything. That next morning, we woke up early so we could get ready to go run errands together. I was in the bathroom, which is just on the other side of my bedroom, uh, straightening my hair, and Amber was sitting up in my bed checking her phone. When I was done with my hair, I went back into my room and started getting dressed and so she could get in the bathroom. When I walked into my room, I started to say something, then stopped when I looked at her. She was just sitting there with a confused look on her face, staring from the back door to the bedroom door. When I asked her what was wrong, she said that she had heard the blow dryer turn off and then saw a man walk from the bathroom through my room and through the back door. I immediately got goosebumps. I asked her what color of shirt he was wearing and what color of hair uh, he had, and she said that he had on a red T-shirt and had short black, uh, short dark brown hair. As soon as I heard that, I sat up on my bed. My face must have gone pale because she asked if I was okay. Okay. That was when I told her one of my only paranormal stories I'd kept to myself for 15 years. When I was around six or seven, about a year or two before we moved into the old farmhouse, we lived in a small two-bedroom house. In the house were my parents, two older sisters, and myself. All three of us girls slept in one room where we had bunk beds and a regular twin bed. I, being the youngest, had the top bunk. The top bunk had two wooden railings. For about six months, at least once a week, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, look through the gap in the railings, and see a man wearing a red shirt with dark brown hair just staring at me. He never said or did anything. He just stared. My sisters and parents always told me I was dreaming and that it wasn't real. After I described what this childhood horror man looked like to my friend Amber, she said that it was definitely the same guy. That was the first time and the last time he's been around that I know of since I was little.
1: So it sounds like he's following her. I wonder if he's like a protective entity.
0: Considering nothing bad has happened other than he's just kind of freaky mm-hmm. looking, you got to wonder. Yeah. That's, uh, That would be creepy though, having been you know, really freaked out by something when you're six or seven and thinking, okay, that was it, it was done. You kind of question how legitimate it may have been because you're a little kid. And looking back on it as an adult, and then, bam, it's back.
1: But see, I'd find it not necessarily comforting that he's there, but comforting and knowing that, okay, this is the same one from when I was a kid, and nothing bad happened, so at least it's not some other entity in the apartment that is going to cause my life to be a mess. Yeah, I
0: mean, you could kind of be like, well, nothing's happened really with him at all so far, so I guess it's Okay. Sierra writes in, I just recently began listening to your guys' podcast, and I was automatically hooked. It's fascinating to hear so many different stories, so I figured I'd share mine as well. Sorry in advance for uh, it's a bit of a sad story. When I was nine, during 2000, my mom died from a long battle with brain cancer, which sadly we had come to expect. A couple weeks had gone by after her passing, and my family and I went back to the house she had died in. We stayed with family during that time. One night after being back home, my dad, brother, and I were sitting in the living room when we suddenly heard my sister scream from the bathroom. We all rushed to see what was the matter to find my sister crying, telling us that she had seen our mom in the mirror. She said the mirror at first uh, it shone a bright light that was shaped as a person until she recognized it as our mom. This made all of us kids uneasy, but my dad simply told us that it was mom letting us know that she was watching over us. After a few days passed, I was at school waiting for my sister to pick me up, but she was nowhere in sight. They called my grandma to pick me up, and at that moment I knew something was wrong. When my mom had become sick, my sister took on the role of the caretaker in our family and never once slacked off. When we got to the house, I eagerly ran inside to find my sister had died. We found out that her death was caused by a blood disease, which causes blood clots. During her gym class one day, she had been hit in the leg with a tetherball, which triggered a blood clot. That, not uh, even the nurses that used to take care of our mom saw coming. When we asked them about the lump it caused, my brother and I were taken to the doctor to find out that we too had the same blood disease, which we now take care of. In a sad way, our sister's death saved both our lives, which we will forever be grateful for. We believe that my sister had seen my mom in the mirror because she was waiting to take my sister with her to wherever it is we go after death, so she didn't have to go alone. I've heard people talk about how if you see someone you know in the mirror that died, that means you yourself will die soon after. I don't know if that's always the case, but at least you know even after death you're not alone. I appreciate you guys taking the time to read this. Your show's amazing. Keep it up.
1: I've never heard of that before, where if you see somebody who has died in the mirror, that means you might die soon.
0: Well, I'm done looking in mirrors any time of the day now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not just the
0: middle of the night. Well,
1: you don't need to check your hair. That's true. Sorry, just had to do that. Jab in there. Sorry. Nice little jab.
0: No, but guess you'll have to tell me if I need to shave or if I miss a spot on my face or something. I'll help you with that. <sighs> that's, that's a very interesting story. I had not heard that either, but uh, I'm going to be paranoid now. More so than I already am. <laughs> you go. If you're not an EPP yet, please sign up to become one that keeps our show alive. If you enjoy the show, please support it. It's only five bucks a month. The more folks that we have supporting the show, the bigger, the better show we can do for you. And the more stuff we can put together for you, like video content and all sorts of fun extras as well. So uh, please sign up uh, at realghoststoriesonline.com. On tomorrow's show, we'll talk about a little uh, trip we're going to be going on. Um, to a certain part of the country. So if you're in that certain part of the country, uh, should we tell the certain part of the country? Yes. Uh, the Savannah area. We
1: are. We are going yeah. to Savannah.
0: We'll talk more about that tomorrow, though. So if you're in the area, be sure to uh, listen to tomorrow's episode because uh, uh, we'd uh, we'd love to chat a little bit more. Uh, that's tomorrow on the show here at Real Ghost Stories Online. For Jenny Bruski. I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.